Hey, good morning, Sycamore View. It's great to see those of you who are here in person and want to welcome all of those who are joining us online. I know a lot of people, I've talked to a number of folks this past week that they've just hit a wall, teachers, parents, just people. We've just hit a wall. We are so ready for something different. I want to thank those of you who are online, who are staying connected to us. I know these are challenging times, and I'm thankful for this uh, this method of connection that we still have. And for those in person, we're, we're glad you're here. We're not begging anybody to come back in this room. For the last few months, we've been ho- having in-person services, and we've had anywhere from a, a quarter to a third of our pre-COVID attendance that is here scattered throughout two different services on Sunday mornings. And we, we believe that we have an environment on Sunday mornings that uh, is safe and healthy where we can honor our protocols and try to keep people uh, just safe in this season. And there will come a time when those of you online will be able to come back. There is light at the end of the tunnel, even though we know that we still have some dark weeks ahead of us. And for those of you who are maybe in a, maybe you've hit a wall because you know that this month is not going to be like what this month has been in the past, either because people aren't here or families aren't going to be able to stay connected over the holidays like we have in the past, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And I've, I've joked with some people, I mean, 2021 is looking at us like saying, hey, you are putting expect- way too many expectations on me. I don't know if you're going to like me as much as some people want to like me. And, but 20, 30 years from now, when some of us stump our toes and get in fender benders and, and things like that happen, that we're going to look at each other and say, you just got 2020. I mean, it's just going to be a, a statement that's going to be around for a while. Yet I want to thank God for how God's grace has sustained us through this year and how God's grace has kept us connected. I invite you to open your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 24. Uh, There's this story we have at the very end of the Gospel of Luke. It's the road to Emmaus, which doesn't seem to fit a Christmas season, an Advent season. Yet there's this little phrase in there that we had hoped. And it's found in Luke chapter 24, verse 21, that we had hoped. And this is a statement I've... I've just I've thought about it. I've prayed through so many times over the last couple of months and, and in anticipation of the sermon series this month. So even though most of us have never heard Christmas sermons or sermons around this time coming from resurrection stories, there's something about this one that I think connects with us in this time. We had hoped. All of us had the we had hope moments in our lives. We had hoped that cancer wouldn't come back. We had hoped that surgeries would have been successful. We had hoped that marriages would last. We had hope that 2020 was going to be different. We do hope that 2021 would be different than 2020. We had hoped. And Jesus was born in a time of social upheaval, political uh, unrest. There was uh, economic downturn. There was a lot of oppression. Jesus was born in a time where you had brutal emperors in the Roman Empire and also where you had King Herod who set out this edict for every baby boy under the age of two years old to be murdered. And even though it was a smaller town, just a few of those deaths would have caused all kinds of grief in the community. And and I'm sure there were a lot of people, Joseph and Mary included, who would have thought, if the emperors and kings can do things like that, what will they not do? Yet it seems that throughout the Bible, God often steps in when things seem to be in disarray. Like when there's just chaos all around us, God seems to step in and do some of God's best work as acts of salvation, redemption, deliverance. So in Luke chapter 24, verse 21, you have this verse, we had hoped. 
And in this story, you have two guys who have left Jerusalem. They were there for a couple of days. They went to Jerusalem expecting the, the Messiah for King Jesus to set up his kingdom. And, and now Jesus died. So now they are heading back to Emmaus, this small little town that we don't even know where it is today. It's a few miles from Jerusalem. But these guys have basically given up. They're, they're going back home. And on their way home, they encounter Jesus. They didn't know it was Jesus, but they're having this conversation with him. And, and they say, we had hoped. Even though hope was right in front of them, we had hoped. And this wasn't just any kind of we had hoped. For them, as we had hoped, that this guy Jesus was going to restore Israel. We had hoped that he was going to redeem Israel. Now, expectation for a lot of people then was that when the Messiah would come back, when the Messiah came, that the Messiah was going to set up an earthly kingdom and get Israel back to the top. It was that there would be national prominence and, and a national power. That, that it, for, for many of them, it was Israel versus the world, not Israel for the world. Even though going all the way back to the promises that were given to Abraham was that Abraham would be the father of many nations. Many nations would be blessed by the movement of God in the future. Yet there were those who who began to believe that what the Messiah was going to do was set up an earthly kingdom, get Israel back to the top, and it was going to be Israel versus the world. We still have this some today. I mean, you, you've seen some of the political unrest in 2020 where there are still some people who want to see a national, like national prominence, a country that rises to the very top. But for those of us who were followers of the Messiah, Jesus, it's never country versus the world. It is Messiah for the world. And these two guys didn't get it. They had hoped that this Jesus guy was going to go to Jerusalem and put Israel back on the top. And it didn't work that way. Jesus' death shattered their hopes, their dreams, their investments. They were shattered. Now, some of us, have un we, we understand what it means for hope or dreams or promises to be shattered or crushed. Now, back in March, when COVID first hit, Jim Hinkle and I, we started this Monday afternoon Facebook Live where we invited people from the church to come on. And it was a time for us just to inform people, maybe inspire, let people know how to stay connected, what we're offering that week. And, and this is something that we thought would last a few weeks and it ended, ended up going for a few months. So we did this through August and then we decided to stop it. And the reason we stopped, it was just... It was just getting too big. ABC was reaching out, NBC, with Disney, Hallmark. They were all asking for, for us to come have a, a Monday afternoon show. And we, we just didn't have the time to do it. Uh, we, we, we just had to stop it. I mean, we, we felt like it kind of ran its course. But Jim and I did not give our, our Monday afternoons a name. There were creative people, in, creative people in this church who began to call it Jim and Josh in the Afternoon. And then because of Jeremy Upton and some others, they, a few people ended up getting a coffee mug of Jim and Josh in the afternoon. Now, I know a lot of you even watching online, you, you would love nothing more than to wake up in the morning and to have a coffee mug with, with Jim Hinkle and my, with our faces on it, that we are the faces that greet you in the morning. I mean, and we, we can make that happen for some of you, all right? And then I got a picture, a text this week with a picture of a member in a church who had this coffee mug. And this week, hers, she, it broke, there's a broken Jim and Josh in the afternoon coffee mug. And her text was, this is so 2020. Like the thing, you, there's those things you have, it's like they just shatter. I was uh, speaking at a youth retreat a few years ago. And at the youth retreat, I, I was talking about how God 
forms and shapes us. So I was holding a clay pot in my hand. And I talked about how God shapes and forms us. From birth, God is shaping and forming us into the people God wants us to be. And the point in my message was leading up to, there are those moments in our lives where we just break. And sometimes we break because of sin. Sometimes we break because of circumstances. But what I wanted to do in this message was, there was a door, about a big wooden door, about 20 feet to the right of the stage. And, and I was going to lead up to this point in the message where I was going to throw the pot, break it. It was going to shatter. Everybody's going to be shocked and they're going to be ready to come to Jesus. And then I could talk to them about how God puts broken things back together again. So I get to this point in this message. I rear back. I throw the clay pot up against this big wooden door and it just bounced off that door like a basketball. It didn't break. It didn't even chip. It just fell to the ground. So my talk was about how things break and shatter. So what am I going to do? Because it didn't break or shatter. So I I thought to myself, like right there in the moment, do I go pick it up again and try to break it, not knowing if it would work? Or should I just kind of change and use some other metaphor? So I think what I ended up going with is that sometimes in our lives, it's like we just throw ourselves up against the door. And like, that's what I thought the clay pot would do all along. But there are times in our lives it's like that. Whether we're a clay pot, whatever we are, it's like things break, they shatter, they bounce off a door. And in 2020, has had a lot of these moments where things have shattered. Lives, relationships, hopes, dreams, retirement plans, wedding plans, funerals where we weren't able to honor people the way we know that people should have been honored, like... And there are a lot, of this, a lot of dysfunction that has happened in 2020. But dysfunction doesn't mean distance from God. There's one thing Advent season teaches us. It's that dysfunction in life, dysfunction in relationships does not mean distance from God in relationships or distance from God in life. And I think God is speaking to us, especially in this season, in a season of Advent, at the end of the year, where God is saying, I know the path to joy, and I know how to get you to hope. Will you cling to me? Stay connected to me. Let's do this together. Let's move together. We can make this happen. So I want to speak just about three things in Luke 24. And I want to encourage you to take a few notes, and maybe just one of these three is what you need to hear this morning. And maybe you'll take a note... And maybe one of these three is something you need to share with a family member or a friend or a coworker this week to try to encourage them with some word from God. And let me start with this. One thing we learn in this Emmaus story is that Jesus speaks truth to confusion. Jesus speaks truth to confusion. In the story, Jesus walks up on these two guys who were going to Emmaus. Right? They left Jerusalem. They went to Jerusalem with one idea. Things didn't go the way they thought they would go. The guys are heading back to, the, to Emmaus. Jesus finds them. In verse 17, Jesus says, what are you talking about? They tell Jesus what they're talking about. In verse 19, Jesus says, what things are you referring to? So here are two guys basically processing the death of Jesus with the real life Jesus who's now living right there in front of them. And then the guys say, we had hoped that Jesus was going to restore Israel. And then they go on to talk more about how that hope had been shattered. And then Jesus begins telling them, like, why are your hearts so dull? Do you not know this is supposed to happen? And then in verse 27, what you have is this. It says, and beginning with Moses and the prophets... Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Like, I want to hear more about that verse 27. 
What did Jesus say? How did Jesus unpack the Old Testament and the story of God to help teach them about the coming Messiah into the world? Was it 10 minutes long? Was this two hours? Were they standing up? Did they sit down on the road? Like, how did this go? And maybe Jesus, maybe Jesus began quoting places in Deuteronomy for Moses, where in Deuteronomy chapter 18, what you have is the Lord your God, and this is Moses talking, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. It's Moses bearing witness to, hey, I want you to listen to me, but there's someone else coming who's, who's going to say things about the coming future of God, and you need to listen to him. Maybe Jesus took them to multiple places throughout Isaiah. Maybe one of them was Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. forever. The zeal of the Almighty will accomplish this. Maybe Jesus quoted from places in Malachi about John the Baptist preparing a way for the Messiah. Or maybe in Micah. Maybe Jesus quoted places in Micah about how Bethlehem was going to be the place that through you, are a small, you're small, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over all of Israel, whose origins are from of old, from of ancient times. Like We don't know exactly how Jesus did this. It just says Jesus started with Moses and the prophets. And began opening up scripture to these guys. Why everything is being fulfilled just like God wanted it to be fulfilled. This was happening right in front of them. Jesus spoke truth to their confusion. Now, I remember talking earlier this year in Matthew chapter 8 and in chapter 14. There are two different stories of Jesus being in a storm. And if you look in the Gospel of Matthew, if you, if you, if you, have, if you have red letters in your Bible, the only time Jesus speaks... In Matthew 8 and Matthew 14, while there is a storm happening, in these storm stories, the only time Jesus speaks is when the storm was happening. It's not when the storm ceased. There is teaching from God, instruction from God that comes during storms and during confusion. It's a matter of are we active listening for the voice of God? God is speaking in this season. Are we listening? And one of the ways to listen, one of the ways their minds in Luke chapter 24 were open was having Jesus walk them through the story of God throughout the Bible of how it was all pointing to exactly what had happened in Jerusalem. Jesus speaks true to confusion. Number two, Jesus meets people where they are on the journey. Jesus meets people where they are on the journey. I want you to think about this. Everything that had just happened in Jerusalem, Jesus died, and now the apostles are there, other disciples are there, Mary the mother of Jesus is there, Martha and Mary are there. There are a lot of people who are in Jerusalem, and Jesus rose from the dead early on a Sunday morning. Jesus interacted with a few women, and then later on that day, you have Jesus who meets these two men on the way to Emmaus. Of all the other place, places, Jesus could have been, the bodily form of Jesus could only be one place at one time. Of all the other places, Jesus could have been revealing himself as one who is now alive. He could have been with the apostles. He could have been with his mother. He could have been with Mary and Martha. He could have been with the other disciples. Of all the places he could have been, he's on a road chasing down two guys who were going back to a town called Emmaus. 
He meets them where they are. When I came to Memphis uh, a little over 12, almost 13 years ago, Jim Coleman was an elder here in this church. A dearly loved person, passed away almost six years ago. Jim, when I moved here, Jim was the chief jailer of 201 Poplar. So the jail downtown, Jim ran the place. And I'd been here a few months, and I called up Jim, and I said, Dude, I want to come down there to where you work, eat lunch with you, and I want you to take me on a tour. I just want to see where you do what you do. I want to see how you live out your faith in your workplace. So I met him at 11 o'clock on a Wednesday. And I remember it was 11 o'clock because I had to be back here to teach a 1 o'clock class that day. I thought I would hang out with him from 11 to 12.30, get in my car, come back here and teach. At 11.05 or 11.10, I was still at 201 Poplar. I got in my car. I made it back here by 1.35 to teach for just a few minutes to a 1 o'clock class. And the reason it took me so long is because Jim started walking me down hallways. And as we walked down hallways, Jim began interacting with almost every employee and a number of the inmates. He knew their names. He knew stories. And I saw this guy. I saw him. We would walk down hallways and he would just stop people and he would ask about moms and dads and sisters and brothers and people he knew in that family who were sick, who he had been praying for. I saw him stop a person who worked for him because there was a hurricane about to hit Louisiana that year and and he was asking how many relatives are coming up here? How many sleeping bags do you need? And he he was sitting there telling them, here's what time you can expect me to be at your house with sleeping bags and pillows and food and water. And just, I watched him on every hallway as he just pastored people. I watched him as we got to this one cell where in tears he told me that what he would do as soon as he walked in this cell and he pointed to this place, he would set up a chair where there there was a 16-year-old who was probably looking at life in prison who was there. And he would set up an appointment with the 16-year-old to cut his hair because he knew if Jim went in there and cut his hair, he would be with this guy for 30 minutes to an hour trying to speak life and hope and Jesus and the gospel into his life. At one point, he stopped me in a hallway, and he said, Josh, sometimes I feel guilty because I don't feel like I'm a very good elder at Sycamore View. And the reason is, is because this right here is my flock, where I'm trying to care for hundreds of people who work for me, and hundreds of inmates who are in need of a word of hope. And the reason he had so much respect in that place is because Jim knew names. He walked hallways. He didn't just invite people into his office or send out mass emails. He was there among the people. He met them where they are. And of all the places Jesus could have been on the day Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus chose to spend a few hours of his day chasing down a couple of guys who were seven miles away heading to this little small place called Emmaus. And he chased them down met them where they are, spoken to their confusion. Because these were two men who now, these two men were looking back on their past, wondering if all the decisions they had made were worth it because it didn't seem to pay off. And I know some of you look back on your past with a lot of shame and guilt and regret. And you thought that things in your life would have led you to a better place and you're not there. And and these two men were probably looking into their future thinking that all the things they had invested in, is it really worth it? Like, is it worth 
really even trying to live with purpose anymore because the future doesn't seem to be what they thought it would be. And some of you feel the same way. You're looking into your future thinking, I thought that this year or next year would look so much differently, but I don't think it's going to. Jesus meets people where they are. Jesus met these men on their path to get them back on his path. And I bet you can identify moments in your life where Jesus has met you on your path to get you back on his path. Right now, where Jesus is meeting you on your path to get you back on his path. Number one, Jesus speaks to confusion. Number two, Jesus meets people where they are on the journey. And number three, when Jesus is revealed, change happens. Like when Jesus is revealed, change occurs. So the way the story goes is they go into a house and in Luke chapter 24, 24 verse 31, it's when Jesus broke the bread that their eyes were opened. That's when they saw Jesus for who he is. This is one of my favorite places to read when it comes to communion. When the bread is broken, Jesus is revealed. What do you think it was about that moment of breaking bread that made them know in that moment, like they knew, oh my goodness, that's Jesus. Was it the sound of the bread breaking? Was it the, the sight of it breaking? Maybe they had seen Jesus break bread when he fed 5,000 or fed 4,000. Or maybe at some Passover meal, they had seen Jesus break the bread. Like, what was it? And I'm not trying to tell you this is what happened. I'm just throwing out a thought. That maybe it was seeing brokenness in the hands of God where their eyes were open to see this really is Jesus. There is something about knowing that our brokenness is in the hands of God that can provide assurance or reassurance, that can provide hope or joy, knowing that our brokenness is in the hands of the only one who can make sense of this, the only one who can put us back together. N.T. Wright, a great theologian scholar, points out that this phrase that you see in Luke chapter 24, verse 31, about their eyes being opened, the same exact phrase is used in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, when Adam and Eve sinned. And right after they sinned, for the first time it says Adam and Eve, their eyes were open. And in Genesis 3, verse 7, their eyes were open to see sin for what it is and to see their own nakedness, to see shame and regret. Their eyes were open to see sin. And what N.T. Wright points out is that the resurrection of Jesus, when our eyes are open to see Jesus for who he is, what Jesus does is Jesus reverses the curse from Genesis chapter 3. Where now it's not our eyes being open to see how filthy or dirty, how sinful we are, it's our eyes eyes are open to see how great Jesus is. So these two men on the road to Emmaus encounter Jesus. And when they do, the very next thing you see after the bread is broken and they know it's Jesus is they go back to Jerusalem. It's nighttime. They're seven miles away. Yet they go back to Jerusalem. They walk through the dark for seven hours or seven miles to get back into the presence of those who are following in the ways of Jesus. So now they can bear witness and, and testify that Jesus is alive. And here's how he encountered us. Seven miles, that there was change. When Jesus is revealed for who Jesus is in our lives, change happens. We can't stay still. The enemy, the powers of darkness, Satan, the devil, his goal is not to make all of us prostitutes and drug addicts. It's to try to rob us of hope and joy and to try to get us to stay still in life and not engage in the mission of God. 
So these two men on the road to Emmaus, they had a decision to make. And they chose to re-engage in the mission. Now here were two men who almost settled for Emmaus instead of being in Jerusalem when revival broke out. They almost settled for Emmaus and missed out on this fresh move of God. They almost settled for Emmaus and missed out on the Spirit of God coming and the Spirit of God launching the church. They almost did that. And I don't want you to settle for Emmaus when the movement of God is right in front of us. I don't want you to settle for Emmaus and miss out on revival. I don't want you to settle for cynicism when the joy of the Lord is so close to you. I don't want you to settle for the status quo when adventuring God is within your reach. I don't want you hitching your wagon to something that that isn't going to last and that isn't going to be eternal. I I don't want you settling for asking God for small things when we serve a God of great abundance. And I don't want you in your shattering. To not anticipate the movement of God in your life or in the world. So church, let's move forward with a renewed fresh hope. That right now, the sun is rising. That a stage is being set. That our God is on the move. That a fresh move of God is happening. And I'm asking you, do not give up on God. Because God has not given up on you. Don't give up on God, because God is not giving up on us. Jesus speaks truth to confusion. Jesus meets you where you are on the journey. And when Jesus is revealed, change happens. If you're in need of prayers or an elder or leader in this church, we have a connect card and we invite you to go to sycamoreview.org. You can click on that and let us know how we can come alongside of you. And this is for those of you online or in person. For those of you in person, we will have an elder to receive you. If you go out these doors to the right after our worship service, an elder will be there to pray with you. If there's anything else you need, you can go to them. I want to ask you, if you will, close your eyes and bow your heads. And let's pray as we uh, prepare to sing a song. And God, I know there are people listening to me right now who so much in their lives, they got it, they're, they're shattered hope, they're shattered dreams. You're the only one who can put us back together. And maybe it needs to begin today with just a reminder that you don't leave us alone. Never once have you let us, left us alone. I pray this week that the same hope that came upon those two men on that road as they were going back to Emmaus, that, that same hope will come upon us this week. Have your way with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.